It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, there are two fantastic West Ham prizes up for grabs. The first is a Sir Trevor Brooking signed and framed West Ham United shirt. Tickets are just £2.95 each. 99 will be sold and the competition ends on Friday the 28th of January at 7.30pm. And there's also a bonus match day competition where you can win two hospitality tickets to West Ham's game against Watford at the London Stadium on Tuesday the 8th of February 7.45pm kickoff. Those tickets cost £9.95 each and just 39 of those will be sold. The competition ends on Tuesday the 25th of January at 7.30pm. That's Tuesday the 25th so you have to act quickly on that one. And as I mentioned there's been some fantastic signed pieces from Tony Cotty, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Sufal for grabs since their launch as well as several pairs of hospitality match tickets. So head on over to footballprizes.co uk to check them out well 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 there's a surprise west ham united lose to manchester united at old trafford in controversial fashion thanks to a dodgy refereeing decision when have we ever seen that before oh wait yeah only every single time west a big team particularly Manchester United it's Monday night when we're recording this podcast with my good pal James Jones I've been in a foul mood since the final whistle really and since VAR took about two seconds to decide that Manchester United's winning goal against the Hammers at Old Trafford on Saturday would stand and wasn't uh, subject if you like to the usual stringent VAR checks that we've seen all season long despite the fact it was a hugely important goal and Edison Cavani looked about a mile offside in normal time. Jonesy, I think it's the it's the James Jones effect that has lifted my mood. It's Monday evening. Uh, despite the fact that West Ham have dropped a fifth in the table, having played uh, several more games or one more game than Man United, who are in, now in fourth, two more games than Arsenal, who are in sixth, and three more games than Tottenham in seventh. Despite all that, West Ham United are still fifth. I'm talking to you on a Monday night, which is one of my favourite things to do. 
uh, all for some reason doesn't feel quite as bad with the world as it did for most of the weekend. How are you, mate? And uh, are you uh, as jovial uh, against all the odds as I am? I'm not quite as in as good mood as you, mate. Um, I'm still still pretty wounded from from the events <laughs> on Saturday afternoon. I still feel yeah pretty pretty robbed. Quite upset about robbed, uh, upset, cheated. angry, cheated. Uh, I mean, I might have to get the thesaurus out. And keep mm. checking all the all the other words, but I mean, what do you expect? You've already said it. What do you expect at Old Trafford? Um, I've had a, I've had a few fans dig me out on Twitter for saying, "Oh, well, you know, it definitely was onside." So <laughs> I don't know what you're moaning about. So that's not the point whether he was onside or not. It's the fact is they they barely checked it. There they was some. There, I'll be honest, mate. There was some. Uh, there was some light relief in my household fortunately well thanks as there often is actually uh thanks to your <laughs> to your tweets um <laughs> the, the one right on the final whistle uh, when people started digging you out <laughs> saying you're a conspiracy theorist that uh, <laughs> did put a smile on my face among all the gloom i must admit well i mean i stand by i stand by what i said about um you can't you can't have the the super league the Super League Six have their uh, have their time in the sun ruined by Little Old West Ham, can you? So they're going to find a way of restoring order in in at least the Premier League's top four, let alone the Premier League's top six. And what better what better time and what better place than to ensure that happens than at Old Trafford, uh, the place where no one ever gets anything ever. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's I, I don't know why I was surprised, but at the same time I was just deeply like shocked at the just the sheer inability to just do your job properly and use VAR properly. Now, they've they seem to. I look back at the the the, the game at, against Brighton at home. Obviously, again, we didn't beat them, mm. and they they tried as hard as they possibly could to find fault in in that goal that they ruled out because there was a there was a suspicion that Antonio touched the ball with his sock hair. <laughs> And yeah. and you know, and they literally looked at it for about ten minutes at every single angle. Right, it was c- quite clearly not a clear and obvious error because they spent forever checking it, and then still went, "No, nah, no, nah, it's offside. We won't give that." And it's like you you can't do that one day and then do what you've done at Old Trafford the next. Like even if he is found to be onside, the fact is you mm. barely checked it. Um, and that that's a problem for me because if you start barely checking things, then suddenly you start getting decisions wrong. It has to be the yeah. same level of scrutiny for every decision if you're going to go down that route. And it didn't happen. Yeah, I, I do understand that, and some people will be no doubt saying this, listening to this or listening to you there. I do understand that some decisions are more obvious than others. I do get that totally. Um, so just quickly, you you, tweet, you just tweeted ridiculous, full stop. And then... <laughs> No, that Which, one, uh, just quickly, that, that one was, wasn't about the VAR. That oh, was right. just the I fact see, that we'd sorry. lost with the last kick of the game. And I was just like, really? Like, I yeah, can't believe yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and then mere moments later, uh, why didn't VAR check for offside there? Looks borderline, but got to check that. Of course, robbing Man United of a 93rd minute winner at Old Trafford could never happen in order to maintain the big six dominance. Uh, I do prefer the term greedy six, by the way. I'm a little bit uh, perturbed yeah. by the fact that in general football parlance, the big six or the top six or whatever are coming back in. Um, I do prefer the the greedy six tag. Um, 
Simon King replied, do you seriously think they didn't check? And he's a Hammers fan as well. Um, what's he said there? You've said a proper check involving the lines. Just because they didn't show it on TV doesn't mean they didn't do it, surely. As gutting as it is, Cresswell looks like he's just played him on. Uh, Simon's gone on and said, can't believe the people moaning about it. It's close, but offside as if they didn't check it. Uh, and then WHU, they did use the lines, were shown on B in sports. The camera angle does make him look off. I was furious having now seen it is actually on. Right. Um, I'm going to talk you through what happened in my house, James. As you know, um, I was had COVID, finally got rid of it, um, fortunately, just a day ago. Uh, so was housebound for the game, was actually working at the time uh, and I was working on the match, doing stuff for the match um, and pretty attritional game. Just thought both teams were rubbish, to be quite honest. I just like it wasn't a good game of football for the neutrals. Anyone saying Man United deserves to win that game is deluded. Anyone who says we, West we Ham deserves to win it. Nah, of yeah. course not. It was, it was a nil-nil game. game all day long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that deserved to come out of that was a nil-nil. You're right. Um, so the goal goes in at the end and I was just wiped. I was just like, I can't believe it. I, and I was, uh, but I thought he was offside in the normal play, right? Just as I watched it live, thought it was offside. And I was like, I don't know. I, I reckon we might be all right there. But I was just devastated that it's even come to it. Anyway, so friend of mine who uh, who I live with is um, <laughs> like he's, he's I think I've told you about it before. Sports late Orient uh, doesn't particularly like West Ham, not particularly fond of us at all. So he's up when Rashford scored. He's up, which isn't helping my mood at all as I'm trying to concentrate on the thing I've got to do in a timely fashion for work. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, ah, oh, just keeping quiet, not saying anything. In back of my head, thinking. There's a chance that's ruled out. We've got like 50-50 there. Anyway, they show the replay on the, on the screen and like with no lines, just a normal, like slightly slowed down replay. And I've gone up. I've launched my water bottle across the room. Yes, yes. Because I was like, it's so blatantly offside. Like happy days, no problem. And then literally, I was like, oh, well, we'll have a couple of minutes. He'll show the lines. So I'll have a chance to look at it properly. Literally like 15 seconds later, He's blowing for the kickoff. And I was like, what is going on here? Now, the, the what's it called? The channel that I was um, watching on, not, nothing illegal, the work channel that I had access to to watch it on, but didn't show the lines or anything. There's not, you don't get to see that. It's just like the camera a feed, basically. Um, and I was like, right. First of all, I was furious I didn't show the lines because then I'd forgotten where, how I was watching it and that they never do, so that's fine. Uh, and I was like, that, but that was offside. Just adamant. I was like, well, what's the point? The game doesn't count. It's void. What's the point in football? <laughs> Which I do that a lot. Whenever West Ham yeah. are wronged, I'm just like, what's the point of football or life and just anything? Like, why do we do anything ever? Like, <laughs> if you're not going to stick to the rules. Um, and then also, I was like, I'll go on Twitter foolishly foolishly i was like go on twitter and like they'll be from another stream somewhere they'll be like the official premier league lines with the lines on it that clearly show one or the other and then all it was just peppered with like people being idiots who've like photoshopped their own lines or photoshopped crestwell out of the shot and i was like this is making my mood worse just getting more and more angry 
Um, and I had an early morning Sunday, so I didn't watch much of the day to see it officially. So I still haven't seen the actual Premier League sanctioned shot with the lines on it. The other ones I kept seeing showed Martial like still clearly in possession, nowhere near passing the ball. Like that was annoying me. So can you just settle it for me? Was it genuinely, despite your conspiracy, was it onside? Um, I've seen I've seen an image of uh, the Premier League lines and. Um, I'm still a little bit confused as to what they're deeming, what part of the body they're deeming Cavani to be on side with. Because right. to me, it looks like they're, de- they're deeming his arm to be on side, um, which I but thought it's goal was... scoring, isn't it? It's goal scoring part of your body, so shoulder, yeah. head, knee, foot, hip, so, whatever. Like they they made the lines thinner, didn't they, this season to to yeah. kind of make it less controversial and less or, like sort of or like. Yeah. Or thicker, one of the two, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember how they did it, but yeah, it still looks they've called it onside. You can see what probably why they've called it onside, but it still looks really, really tight to the point yeah. where it's almost like they've given the benefit of the doubt to the attacking team. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you say? Haven't seen it. What I'm saying is, do you still feel it was out and out cheating, and that Man United have just like they did when they kicked it out for a throw in at the London Stadium? Wasn't as bad as that. Wasn't as bad as that when it was clearly out. It wasn't as bad, right? No, I've, I've seen I've seen the official Premier League lines, and they've called it onside, and you can see why they've called it onside, even though it's questionable as to what part of the body they've they've called him onside for. It looks like his arm, but it might yeah. be his shoulder. And if it's his shoulder, then it's like centimetres like it's yeah. very, is it very one of them close. then mate do you think that <clears throat> try if you can because I've had struggling as well so I'm with you um, is it one of them where if you just can if that game was Burnley against Watford right you just didn't really care about either team whatever and Burnley get a 93rd minute winner like that would you be and it was like given as a goal to the benefit to the attacking team, which lots of football fans call for. Would you be going? Yeah, that's the correct decision. If it I think was so. annoying, yeah, I think <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, right, okay. I mean, it doesn't make it any less frustrating. Oh, heartbreaking! Than, nah. Oh no, it does. It makes it less frustrating. I don't mind being. Well, I, I mind, but I'd much rather be beaten just by a goal that's good. If he's timed his run really well and it's a good pass and they've done well to score. It's yeah. frustrating and heartbreaking, but if they've beaten us within the rules of football, then yeah. all right, fine. I think that, that's I think what's happened. You say you didn't watch Match today. I watched it um, mm. th- through gritted teeth, but I thought, mm. oh, well, I might as well. I just want to see it again. And um, they they point <laughs> out after that actually Creswell completely loses Rashford in the build. That's what was annoying. I know. Completely all out of it. I mean, I, I didn't really didn't notice get it. Any advantage by being there. I was watching it on um, online. Um, not saying Ooh. where I watched it, but I watched Ooh. it online. And um, so I was about a minute behind and I had my phone on the other side of the room so I wouldn't be disturbed yep. by um, at, by notifications. And then I heard my phone buzzing on the other side of the room. I thought, well, that must be all the full-time notifications. about a minute behind, so I'll go and get my phone. So I walked over to get my phone, turned it over, and the first thing I see was Rashford wins it. And I thought, what? Sorry, hang talking? on, this is before you'd seen it. This is before I'd seen it. So by the time I got back to my laptop, I was literally just waiting for the goal to happen. Oh, God. Going, because I've just, I thought the notifications on the other side of the room were full time. I thought, right, time to go and get my phone now. 
And um, so for your dopamine hit. Foolish so, decision, that mate. It's just one of those things go where you're know, about, about sorry, a minute. So by the time I got back to my laptop, it, the build up had started. Bowen had lost the ball out on the right. Build up had started. I was just waiting for it to happen. So because I knew what was happening, I, I wasn't looking at Creswell. I wasn't right. looking at. I thought, you know, maybe Rashford's pinged it in from 20 yards or something. I don't know. So it was only when I watched Match of the Day the following day where they pointed it out and I was like, actually, yeah, like. Creswell has just had an absolute mare tracking Rashford's run into the box there. He's completely lost him. And if he's onside, then, you know, it's a perfectly good goal. And if anything, it's just us basically switching off in the last 10 seconds of the game, which is mm. incredibly annoying. Incredibly annoying. But Especially with all three of their subs as well. Like That, yeah. that shows that if someone tweeted that, that shows a difference in the squads. You know, Man United have got three players of that calibre to come on who changed the game yeah. um, you know well, we're I mean, like sure, yeah, but I'm sure we'll get into it but you know there's a reason yeah. why we're we're probably going to not finish in the top four and that's pretty much it I in think top six yeah 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 that's right mate well look um, I'm just going to because of what we did last week you know when I said about it's all downhill from here and we had a chat about that and I was saying well downhill is nice it's better to go downhill than uphill and it's weird how people say it's all downhill as if it's a bad thing. You know, we had that chat. I understand that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So you just said just then you watched something through gritted teeth. Now, um, just to sort of carry on the theme of random conversations, particularly it's an international break, and we might be scraping around for content a bit more this week than most. Um, I just want to throw it out there. Can you watch something through gritted teeth. Is that a faux pas of yours or is that a, a phrase that people would generally accept? Um, I mean, I didn't Do you normally say things like that. through I mean, gritted teeth. I don't know. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't watch something through gritted teeth. You'd, you'd look a little bit funny if you're watching something through your mouth. But, <laughs> yeah, just sitting um, like through your teeth. But I mean, yeah, yeah. I was, I, I reluctantly decided to turn it on mm. and watch Match of the Day and yeah, through yeah. gritted teeth was the only I fully understand if people are screaming at, <laughs> screaming screaming at whatever they're listening listening to this game. You can't say that. That's unacceptable. Listening to this through gritted ears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what would the um would there be an alternative? I don't know what would you watch like through watch through your fingers, I suppose, or with your head <laughs> in your hands? Head in the hands behind the from behind the sofa. Yeah, that's the one. That's yeah, what it is. Watch it from behind the sofa. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, while we're on that note, actually, Jonesy, I just want to give a shout out, um, say hello and thank you to Robin Punter, a regular listener to the podcast. Um, after last week's discussion, uh, similarly grammatical, about clinicalism, I think was the word that I tried to use. Yeah, um, I was talking about uh, people in front of goal. Um, and how they lacked clinicalism, West Ham. Obviously not a word at all. Well, it turns out Robin got in touch on Twitter. Uh, direct to me, rather than the podcast at We Are West Ham, We Are underscore West Ham, excuse me, got in touch with me at William Pugh underscore. Uh, he said, the good news is, Will, clinicalism is a word. The bad news is it's not as you know it. Um, clinicalism, Jonesy, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll give you five pounds if you can guess, unless you've already seen this and then it's cheating. You don't get the money. I haven't seen it, um, and I will. 
It's bad from us, given that we're journalists, isn't it? Why do we not, why do we not know what clinicalism means? Um, well, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's all right, mate. It's fine. I, don't be too hard on yourself. Clinicalism is an emerging theory in legal pedagogy, uh, abstract with growing global scholarship on clinical education. A theory in the field of legal pedagogy is emerging. Such a theory identifies clinical concepts and defines clinical education's roots. <laughs> um, so I would say thanks to Robin for getting in touch with that. Uh, I would just like to say that isn't actually what I meant um, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that isn't the clinical. So it turns out it is a word. Um, but yeah, Robin uh, Robin got in touch, which was uh, which was nice. Just a reminder, as always, you can get in touch with uh, the podcast on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. Me and Jonesy are on at William Pugh underscore. Jonesy's on at by James Jones. Uh, Instagram, we're we are West Ham pod. Facebook, just search we are West Ham podcast. Do exactly the same on YouTube where you find our channel and the clips that Jonesy puts up every week, including the ever popular opposition view. And you can, of course, email us at we are West Ham pod at gmail.com. Uh, Josie, another thing as well, another shout out. Dave sent an email the other week. Um, he just wanted to say hello, really. He said, great show, guys. Really enjoy it. Uh, wanted to share a video with us. Um, 2016 it was. Uh, David, I believe, is from Canada. Correct. Forgive me. If... Yes, he is. Sorry. Uh, he said a video he took at the team hotel lobby in 2016 before the last Saturday match at Upton Park. I came over for ca- from Canada for the game is video of uh, Ogbonna Tompkins and Andy Carroll uh, in a hotel lobby. Nice, cool little clip that Jonesy, that game was that Swansea at home where we needed to win uh, to yeah. stay in the hunt for Europe and got thumped you like four nil or four one. Battered four one. Andre A's got a hat trick, I think. Didn't he? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, what, why, why have you lost that game? Because if we'd have yeah, won that, yeah. we would have finished. We would have finished fourth. And that was that one yeah. game that we should have won. But yeah, ridiculous. Well, how West Ham was that? Right, you got to beat Swansea and Stoke, and then doesn't matter if you lose to Man United, then you get Champions League. So, <laughs> right, lads, don't worry. We'll, we'll beat Man United, but we'll uh, lose to Swansea and draw away to Stoke, shall we? And then <laughs> cock up Europe. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Cheers. <laughs> Uh, ridiculous. Um, yeah, so cheers to David for that. Uh, he sent us an email and you can do so as well if you so wish. Um, happy birthday as well. Miriam Errington, a competition winner on the podcast before. Regular listener. Um, loves a podcast. Often gets in touch. Her birthday today. So happy birthday. Uh, final one from me on the housekeeping. Don't forget you can buy us a beer and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham Caesar from Melbourne down under was the most recent uh, contributor over there. Really kind of him. Bought five pints. And Jonesy, I've already agreed to let you have the spare. So when I get to the end of dry January, we'll have to go out and drink those. Thanks to Caesar. Uh, coming up on the show tonight. So a little bit of a short one, but we've got a special guest, Tom Clark from London, the West Ham correspondent. Most of you will probably know him. If you are a regular user of West Ham Twitter, Tom is the one, of course, who wears the lucky hat, a straw hat. Absolutely bizarre. Um, but it's lucky for West Ham. So we'll ask him about that later on in the show. We'll have some more detailed reactions to that Manchester United game. The Betway Charity Bets section. We'll do the West Ham women before we say goodbye for another week. All of that coming up. So we'll have Man United reaction next.
Right, Jonesy, West Ham are fifth in the table now, but it's not really an accurate reflection of where we are, I don't think. I'm a little bit worried. So Manchester United, well, we'll start with third. We'll just sort of keep our expectations and our hopes high, shall we? Chelsea are uh, third place. We've actually played a game more than us with 47 points. Then it's Man United in fourth, 22 games played, 38 points. West Ham fifth, 23 games played, 37 points. Arsenal sixth, 21 played, 36 points. Tottenham next, 20 games played, 36 points. Then Wolves in eighth, 21 games played, 34 points. I think we can safely say that we're going to finish within those top eight positions. Brighton are ninth in with 30 points, 22 games. So, oh, you say that, they win their game in hand. They're only th- four points behind us. All right, ignore all that that I said about us definitely finishing in the top eight. Um, before we go into the Man United game in particular, how do you feel about that generally and, and where we stand and where we're looking likely to finish? I went to the Chelsea-Tottenham game on Sunday afternoon, Tottenham were pretty pants. It just makes it a little bit more frustrating that we lost two Spurs in that Carabao Cup game that me and you went to a few weeks ago now. Um, but as far as the league goes, Arsenal starting to stutter again, uh, struggling to score goals. No chance of Pierre and Miracle Bamian coming back in. Don't know whether they're going to do any business or not. Manchester United, again, didn't really deserve to beat us at the weekend. Don't look particularly dangerous going forward under Ralph Ranić. Um, and Wolves looking pretty decent. And if they win their two games in hand, they'll be three points ahead of us. Um, where, where, how do you see it, mate? I'm, I'm worried now. Um, before, I was after the Southampton game, I thought that's that's a really bad result. But we've got opportunities to to still to still stay up there. Obviously, then you had more games cancelled and then we lose to Leeds a couple of weeks ago. And it's those two games, the Southampton Leeds games, which now are looking like really, really costly defeats. Whereas before mm. it was like, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. But now you, you, when you actually consider the games in hand that other, you know, other teams have got who are in and around us. Bearing in mind, Arsenal and have got to play Tottenham in one of those, haven't they? So Yeah, but it's slightly I mean, better. Tottenham having, Tottenham having three games in hand on us is, is a killer given they're only a point behind us. You know, all they've got to do is win all three of those and, you know, top four is well out of, well out of question um, for me. I like, think it, I've got a feeling it is anyway. No, well, me too. Me too. But, you know, I think last year, I think around about this time last year, we were in a similar position as we are now. We went into the last calendar year in ninth or tenth. Um, and ended up battling. We ended up fourth for a little bit. Ended up battling, battling for for top six for for much of the first half of last year. But we didn't have the problem of loads of teams around us having played two or three games less. And I think that's the problem now is that we've lost two very very winnable home games. Okay, we've gone to Man United and lost. Okay, the in the manner in which we lost is annoying, but mm. you know a lot of teams will go to Old Trafford and lose. So. Mm. You kind of go into that game going, well, you know, if we lose, it's like, well, we, we lose that game almost every season, so whatever. But the Southampton Leeds games, you look at it, and I, I just hope we don't we don't reflect come May on it and go, it was those two games that cost us. Um, it might be too early to say that, but 
I don't know. But if you look at Wait, the games I... we've got coming, the games the, the, the games we've got left this season, our home form has to improve. If you look at the teams mm. we've got to play at home as, uh, compared to away, you know, I think sort of, we, we've still got to play Arsenal at home um, and City at home. But other than that, that's it. We've just, they're, all t- they're all games that we can win. Mm. Um, and even Arsenal, Arsenal, you go, well, we should still be beating course, Arsenal anyway. Of course. So it's really only City at home left that you go, okay, well, that's probably the only home game where you might you might think we probably won't get anything out of that. But the rest we've got to. It's our away form. And we've been better away from away from home more often than not mm. than we have been at home, really, which is really I think weird we've picked up, they said before the Old Trafford game, we've picked up more points away from home this yeah, year, I think. Which is very unlike West Ham. But, I mean, this is... Been, we've been unlike West Ham for the last two years, haven't we? So, <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it, the home form's got to improve. And if the home form improves, then you'd like to think the away form might t- continue to take care of itself. And then we've got a chance. But I think top four's gone now. I really do. And I think now yeah. it's just a case of making sure we, we finish in the top six. And mm. I, I don't know anymore, mate. It's looking you know a what? little bit precarious. Yeah, I, I'll be frank. I, I think we've said this before, really. Top top four was sort of a bit of a pipe dream, wasn't it? Hundred percent, really. really yeah. And not that I don't necessarily think we haven't got it in us to put a decent run together and be back in the mix. I genuinely think it will be a situation where, with three or four games to go, we're in with a shot. I think we'll be outsiders for it, but I don't think it will be beyond us mathematically with three or four games to go. But. I I, just, I never really thought it was like nice thing to hope and dream for, but it's, it's never really going to happen, was it? I mean, you're right. We've, we've, only, got, we've definitely got it. But in last year was the first time ever we got to Europa, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, in order for us to achieve it, it, we we technically need to rely on four different teams dropping points, and that's a big ask when you're talking about fighting at that end of the table because you're talking about battling teams that are so used to winning every other week. They've all got weaknesses though, mate. They've all got weaknesses, but when you when you you're basically relying on let's go all the way down to Wolves. Wolves, Spurs, Arsenal, Man United, maybe Chelsea, all dropping points. Hmm. And they've all got games in hand apart from Chelsea that we've got one game in hand on them. And even then we're even if we win that we're seven points behind them. So yeah. There's a there's a lot of points that needs to be dropped by those clubs to to give us a chance of finishing the top four. Now, um, you're right; they've all got weaknesses, and it might still happen. But I think top six is the reality, and always really was the reality. I think. Yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like I say, I was, I was, what, Tottenham fluked it against Leicester, didn't they? I'm sorry, yeah, but annoying. What are Leicester doing at the end? <laughs> like, what are they playing at after that kickoff of the winner? The the, the equaliser was like, all right. Fair enough. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the winner's just absolutely pathetic. So, like, seconds left on the clock. You've just conceded one. Just, like, hold just on keep to the what you've got. Just keep buffoons. the ball, yeah. What are you yeah. trying to run through the middle of the pitch for? Just smash it up the other end or... But, yeah, okay, yeah. whatever. Ridiculous. Anyway, um, Tottenham were no good against Chelsea. Chelsea are a class, though. They're a cut above. Even with Lukaku not really doing much, they almost don't need him. They don't really... Their system doesn't suit him anyway. Like, but the fluidity in their midfield and they just know what they're doing on and off the ball and they look a class act. So I wouldn't be surprised they end up overtaking Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know they're not going to win it. City, I think, will win it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, mate. It's just, 
uh, we said, right, I think at the beginning of the season when we were talking about what we'd like for the season, we said a, a deep run in the Europa League, be that maybe quarterfinals probably is real, like quarterfinals would be great. Semis would be, semis would be beautiful. Would That would yep. be an absolute historic achievement. Um, and, and then we said top eight. That's what we said, and it's classic. One of those, like when you, 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 you always want to. You got a taste of it, don't we? Like tenth, and then go shoot up at the end, don't you? Rather than floating at fifth and fall off at the vital yeah. time, you'd rather do it the other way around. Weirdly, that's a weird way of looking at it, but like you'd rather like Leicester have done that last few seasons, haven't they? Been top four for like eighty percent of games that have been played, not finished in there once, yeah. um, and. Yeah, I just think uh, it, it's a shame because I think this period of time where we haven't had Europa has given a, that's almost like the little bit of a rest we've had. I know we've had League Cup and we got Reesby firing that in the quarters. Uh, we've had the FA Cup game as well, but it isn't like loads more than the teams around us have had. And I don't know. You just I was like this. This is the chance to to make the Premier League season another historic one. You almost wanted to have the dip in form when we've got Europa and perhaps FA Cup still, because then you can. It's kind of justifiable then. Um, but the fact is, yeah, I, I do think this period of time will be the the season defining thing. The other thing I will note, mate, you mentioned are you might it might be that um, the Leeds and Southampton games that define it. I don't think they will any more than the Brentford home game or the Brighton home game. But the difference was those times we were relying on going then to get big results against Chelsea and Liverpool, which we then proceeded to do. This time it was like, oh, well, that's right, Man United next. We've done it three times. Rather than giving ourselves a cushion by getting the so-called easy points and then anything you get from the big teams a bonus, we didn't. We left ourselves having to get something at that big team where to keep us in the mix and yeah. then this is the first time where it's fallen down and all of a sudden from feeling a bit flat because you've not performed well against a lesser team or so-called lesser team add to then euphoria when you've beaten Liverpool or Chelsea. Now it's just like, mm. oh, I feel a bit flat. I feel even flatter now. Blimey. Like, just call me a pancake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you mentioned there about what, what, what our expectations were as well before, before the season. And you're right, we did say top eight. I think once mm. you got a taste of it, and you spend, I think we, we've we've fallen out the top four. Uh, no, I, we could have fallen out the top six for the first time since the beginning of October, I think. Had mm. Spurs won, I think, against Chelsea. Um, and, and and had Arsenal won. But once you've got the taste of it, you kind of think, well, actually, maybe top, maybe top six is the new target. Maybe that is, is the new target of the season. Would, would would West Ham fans be happy now if we did end up finishing eight, having spent half of the season sitting in the top six? Hmm. Do, do we set ourselves a target beginning of the season? I, I think so. I because, think it depends on the Europa League, mate. It does, yeah. And obviously, you know, we've had a take. It's not just having a taste of, you know, battling in the top six and in the top four and rubbing shoulders up there, but... We've had a taste of the Europa League and how much fun we've had. Even up to this point, just, you know, the group stages was incredible. Our first ever mm. taste of the group stages. We want that again next year. Yeah. And if we don't finish in the top six, then, re- you know, the, the, the re- realistically, we've got to win the FA Cup or win the Europa League. And if we win the Europa mm. League, we go to the Champions League. So, 
that's asking for a hell of a lot. I don't think it's 100% not out of the question. But, you know, we've got that taste of European football. We've got that taste of being in the top four, being in the top six. Um, and I think now, then, if we were just to finish eighth, go out the FA Cup, go out the Europa League, at whatever stage. Nah, you nah of, I disagree it, in whatever stage. You, you, you might look at it and go, obviously, we, we if we get to the Europa League semi-finals and get, go out in the semi-finals, incredible. Like, mm. like a wonderful achievement. Um, yeah. But you, we will look back on it, I think, really, and go, wasted opportunity. No chance, in, no chance. In, You're doing in the it league. already. In the league. In the league, I think no. we will look like a waste opportunity. When you consider the fact that Spurs have been rubbish, Arsenal have been yeah. rubbish, Man United have been rubbish for much of the season um, and were against us, really. Um, and they've beaten us twice with two very late goals. Another really, really big opportunity to finish the top six. If we don't, I think it would be a waste opportunity. Okay, I do agree, actually. I do agree. And that sort of leads us on to, as it often does, these conversations, how frustrating it is that it doesn't appear we're doing anything in the transfer market. I know we've said we'll be patient and we can be patient again. No, it's fine. no, no we can't be patient anymore. No, right. no, as in us, me and you, we're not involved yeah. in the transfers, mate. Yeah, I know. But like, <laughs> I wish we were. This time next week, the, the, the transfer window slams shut, literally. <laughs> And there's no tabloid journalism there. Literally slammed shut in, in David Moyes' face. And if he hasn't bought players for that door, oh, I just, I don't know. I, I, it's unacceptable if we don't sign anyone. Mm. For me, it's Yeah, just I agree, mate. Un, un, unacceptable. I agree. Should we do, we've been pretty good at this on this podcast. Should we save our anger for when it's happened? Because we have been known to... Uh, receive large portions of egg on our faces, haven't we? We did, we did do... <laughs> All of our very good business in the summer in the final, what, two weeks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, you know, that's great. But you do get, that was, like, we've only got seven days, less than seven days <laughs> to do all of our very good January business in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'm worried you about never know, mate. I'm worried about our league position. I'm incredibly worried about our transfer activity. Hmm. But Just worried, just worried. Well, listen, mate, I'll tell worried. you what. I'm making an executive podcast decision that we uh, we hold off on the negativity for this week as far as transfers go because we've got another big slab of negativity uh, for the Man United reaction thing. We've done it to death what positions we need on the pitch. We don't like really getting involved in the minutiae of who we may or may not be linked with because half the time, or more than half the time, none of them come off. You've never heard of them anyway, so it's a waste of energy looking through them. Um, so I reckon this time next week, mate, seven days, that will be the 31st, 30 31st of January? Yeah, 31st of January. So it will be deadline day. So I reckon even then we'll, we'll be doing it in the evening, Monday evening, like we do. We may even push it back a day to see if we have actually signed I think, anyone. I think we should. I think we should. Yeah. yeah. Which will be a stupid decision because then we're like, yeah, coming to you a day late this week uh, for no reason whatsoever because West Ham didn't <laughs> sign anyone. So we might as well have done it on Monday night. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. But we'll save the anger for that, mate. And I just think hugely important. It's not a wasted opportunity yet. There's still a whole half a season left. We kicked on in the new year last year, albeit, after signing Jesse Lingard, that did help. Uh, did we sign Josie? Correct me if I'm wrong. Thomas Suchek in January. 
he was a January signing. Suchet was a January signing. Bowen was a January uh, signing. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah. So you never know. You never know, mate. Let's uh, let's just cross our fingers and hope that the reason we're not hearing much is because Daniel Kratinsky has injected a new stream of professionalism into West Ham. Um, which includes not letting stories leak out. I'm just clutching at straws, mate. Just let me do it before we move on to Man United and we moan. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's 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 hold back on that. Hold our tongues for a week. Uh, but the Man United game, Jonesy, we've obviously talked uh, in, at reasonable length already in that introduction about the offside decision, which was all there was to the game, really. Um, have you anything else to add on that? Because obviously it was the story of the game. There was there was nothing else to it. Um, you're telling me that realistically it was offside, which does make it slightly less frustrating for me. Still horrible and heartbreaking. But at least if we've been beaten within the rules, then, I okay, fair enough. Still gutted, but that's fine by me. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think he was onside. Um, but the the big problem is the the real lack of um, checking. But it didn't really seem to really bother checking, if you know what I mean. Um, which is annoying. <laughs> but then you see the lines. Like for all we know, those lines were drawn after the final whistle. And they were like, oh, yeah. oh we've got to do the lines. <laughs> yeah, um, release release a screenshot to social media. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but you see the lines and yeah, he was on side annoyingly. Yeah. But, when do you reckon you'll be over it, mate? Because we've got an international break now, so we're just no, we're going to be stewing on it for a bit. I, I'm I'm over the VIR thing, to be honest, mate. I'm yeah, there are there. It wasn't big VAR that cost us the game. I think that's really important yeah. to remember is that that whether he was onside or offside, that that VAR decision didn't cost us the game. Mm. Um, I think there were a a number of opportunities that we had, half chances. Um, I think we were too indecisive in attack, particularly when we got into their box. The amount of times that Lanzini got the ball in the box and tried running through Varane. It's Mm. like, mate, you're you're half his size. You're not going to run through him. Mm. Um, Bowen did did, did the same thing. Four hours did the second half. Take too many touches in the opposition box. Got the shot off too late. Gets blocked attack over and for me that was that was one of the big problems that we had and we've had we've had it a lot of, of late recently where we kind of differ a little bit on the ball in attack and it's just cost us against United I think because had we been a little bit more decisive going forward we may have snatched something yeah I mean it was frustrating it, it was frustrating to watch the most the thing that got to me the most I thought was the I just thought we dealt with the press appallingly Mm. And it's like it's, it's the such... same against Leeds, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. Maybe that's teams are. Well, it's not teams figuring out what how to play against West Ham because that's how Ranić's been playing since he took over at Man United, isn't he? And that's that's what makes it more annoying. It was like it was it was this was in no way a surprise. It's like it's mm. been all right. It hasn't been working particularly well for him because they've looked clunky and pretty rubbish, frankly, under him since he's come in and struggle to score and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you knew they were going to press you. Like, that's one of the things that has been publicised about Radic, is that he does, he's like the master of the Gagan press, whatever the hell that is. Um, mm. I'm still pretty sure it's just called high pressing. Um, but the, I don't know, like, it was no surprise to me when Man United started pressing us up the pitch. But the only people it looked 
a real surprise to was our players. Because <laughs> the first 20 minutes in particular, we just couldn't get our foot on the ball. We looked atrocious. And it was really, really winding me up because we just like, we just looked panicked all the time, just smashing hopeless balls into nowhere because that's all we had on. And then even in the second half, it was like when we had a chance, we were still in the game, we had a chance to change it. We didn't. We we had too many players. It seemed to me up the pitch. We needed some players deeper to play a few more passes in to help us break through the press. But it was like, well, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We've got Declan, and again, Devron saying how well he played. So all right, yeah, but he was sort of he, he looked better because he was doing more than one person's job. And it's it nice that Bowen, he played well. That's poor strategy. Him, him, and Bowen were the only two that I remember who actually got themselves on the ball and ran forward with it. Um, Bowen had that one, didn't he? He ran the, almost the entire length of the pitch, dribbled past yeah, about yeah. 100 of their players. But you're right, yeah, we did struggle. Um, which surprised me a little bit, given how much we struggled against Leeds. you think there, there would have been a bit of work done in training, but I suppose a week, a week in training to deal with a high-pressing team at that intensity is probably not enough time. Um, but don't, but yeah, don't you, you think, think the system needed changing? It probably did, yeah. It, probably, it did. I think we were fortunate in that United are still struggling to really get to grips on how to play that um, because they weren't as ruthless as you'd expect someone like United to no, be. No, on the ball, to. on the ball, they were rubbish, mate. And we didn't, well, right. I didn't feel threatened it, at all, no. Well, that, I mean, that's what I mean, though, is that, you know, if you're a high pressing team, then you kind of need to back that up with, you know, attacking threat and ruthlessness. And, you know, I think we were lucky that. We but were we were at... never going to score, were we, with them no, playing don't... like that? No, I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't think that's strictly true. I think you know, we we when we got on the ball, I thought there were there were times where we really we 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 had the opportunity to cause the problems, and we did get into their box quite a few times. But like I said, when we did, we took too long. Mm. Um, we didn't really have any. I think what bowing at the side net in the second half. But other than that, I was just really, yeah, I was just going to say didn't really I threaten. Don't think... Um, but we had opportunities to threaten them, threaten them when we got in their box. I haven't looked at. I reckon we would have had a fair few touches in in their box, but for whatever reason, I know Suchek had that had that header glance wide late on from a corner. But we we had we had opportunities to 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 hurt them. And Six shots, why, one on target. Yeah, I mean we had opportunities to hurt them, and I think that's why Moyes opted to put Fredericks on rather than Johnson, because he wanted to use his speed to get in behind him, because hmm. um, it looked like he, he, he felt like there was an opportunity to be had late on. Because, let's face it, yeah, they were they, they were high-pressing, but every time United got the ball, they didn't really look like they were going to... No, no, I agree. Um, which is why I knew, it had nil-nil written all over it, to be fair. like, it, And had we nicked it at the end, it would have been like absolute proper smash and grab, because we, we didn't really deserve to win that. Mm-hmm. Um, and United beating us was a smash and grab in, in their own backyard. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't a team that either side, a game that either side really deserved to win. But we struggled, and they struggled in, in equal measure. I think. But yeah, I think yeah. switching off at the end just really cost us. Mm. I thought Kufau had another stinker. I was just getting a bit worried about his form. I just again the pressing didn't help. He just didn't deal with that very well. As he wasn't the only one, but he particularly I thought looked poor and his his form recently has struggled. We were absolutely bang on last week, by the way, Kurt Zuma. 
coming back in for Issa Diop. Absolutely no doubt that was going to happen. I appreciate mm-hmm. Dawson's not really a football in centre-back, so he was always going to struggle under the press. But, um, yeah, good to see Zuma back and slotting in. But, yeah, the Kufal thing is concerning. And I think, oh, just what I mean, mate, this is the window. Like, go and buy a centre-back now. Like, we don't know what Ogbonna we're going to get back. Those those sort of injuries are big-time affected players, all. especially his all. age. Yeah, exactly, yeah. mate. Yeah, see what happened to Winston Reid, didn't we? Like, big, big injury like that. You don't know if we'll see him again. And we love uh, Dawson. We've Diop's not up to it. We've established that. For where we want to be in the sort of club we want to be in, the competitions and place in the Premier League we want to be in, Diop's not up for it. Like, that's just a fact now. Uh, neither is neither is Dawson to have him as your number one centre-back. He's great to come in and gives his all and he's brilliant at what he's brilliant at. Yeah. Um, and you can never question his effort or anything like that. But if he's, you know, stop. You can't smush a square peg in a round hole, can you? Mm-hmm. Like the football inside of it. Um, but yeah, the Kufal thing, I don't know. Should I be worried, mate, because we've got Ben Johnson to come in? Or should uh, is it like time that Ben Johnson is the starter for a bit? Because I th- Initially, I thought, oh, maybe it's because he's tired, but he's only just come back from injury. Hmm. So, but then being off, in being out injured isn't really a rest, is it? No, your so, match sharpness isn't there. Yeah. May, maybe he's just still getting back up to speed, but it has been it has been back for a few games now. Mm. But I don't know. It is, it is a bit of a worry that he's not the same Sufau that we you know that we'd be so used to last season and at the beginning of this season. Um. Yeah. Other than that, I thought there was every other player on the pitch did all right. To be fair, I think Bowen Bowen was again class. Declan Rice best player on the pitch for me. Zuma, though, he had a good game, but I felt he still looked a little bit lacking in match sharpness, which is ex- expected. Hmm. Um, but there was, a, there was a few times I thought, he looks, he looks quite slow. He looks quite clunky. Um, Who, Zuma? Yeah, it looked like there was yeah, a couple of times you see him running and he thought, his running style looks a little bit off. I don't know whether that's just me being a little bit nervous. <laughs> Every time he went near the ball, he was like, don't get injured again, mate. Um, but, but yeah, it was great to see him back. But yeah, I think, Another centre back. I know we're going to talk about it next week. Another centre back and another striker that offers something a little bit different to Antonio. And yeah. um, will be because Antonio again was isolated and missing a little bit. Um, yeah. Then I think we'll be okay. And you're right, Johnson can come in and replace Sufal if, if you know if it's felt like Sufal needs a bit of the time out of the team. Yeah, yeah, not good. But uh, anything else then from the United game, mate? A uh, little bit of crowd trouble. We saw saw a yeah. few videos. Yeah, a little bit of crowd trouble. I think four arrests were made, I think, um, in the away end. Uh, I think, yeah, it was a, bit, a little bit dodgy, actually. Um, I'll get the details up. Uh, we had one was, I think, possession of cocaine, uh, assault on a, um, on a emergency worker which wasn't very nice. I'll get the story up in full. Um, yeah, here you go. Police arrest four fans from the West Ham end during defeat at Man United after trouble at Old Trafford. Uh, four fans arrested, yeah. Three of the men in, three men in their 20s, one in his 30s. The offences included possession of cocaine, assault, throwing missiles and drunk and disorderly behaviour. Uh, I've got the two other men were also detained but not fully arrested, I don't think. Um 
and yes officers responded to disorder in the away end greater manchester police said four arrests were made a 21 year old man on suspicion of drunken disorderly possession of cocaine and common assault 23 year old man of a public order offense 22 year old man on suspicion of throwing missiles and a 33 year old man on suspicion of assault of an emergency worker uh, two other men were detained, yeah, uh, for other football-related offences. Obviously, um, yeah, suspicion of at the moment. Can't say anything uh, on an ongoing case or whatever. But, yeah, not a great look for West Ham there. But there was also some footage as well that I saw of a police officer pushing... Well, he, uh, there, there was some police officers getting some grief and assume uh, presumably giving some grief back to fans in the away end uh, and the footage i saw a police officer sort of like some people have been saying he pushed him push is a strong way of describing it he put his arm out which made contact with a guy and the guy fell down the stairs um in the stadium which wasn't a great look either obviously it's twitter and it's just a clip so you can't tell what's gone before um, but yeah, a little bit of sort of unsavoury stuff. I think that was after the game as well, like as the fans were leaving. Emotions running high because of what happened, no doubt. But um, reports of some Man United fans not being too pleasant either. Some missiles thrown from the home end and no action being taken. Uh, again, these are sort of all reports at the moment. But yeah, a little bit unsavoury at the end, mate. Yeah, I just don't know why people can't just go to a game of football and enjoy it yeah get a little bit upset if you if if what happens happens um get a little bit you know have a few drinks and have a laugh you know oh, i just don't i don't get it like not one for like, cocaine and assaulting emergency workers then mate not not a massive fan mate if i'm honest i mean if you're quite partial to a bit of cocaine if, if that's if that's your thing then by all means go and do it but <laughs> it's absolutely like that's your thing but if it, it's no no excuse for Attacking emergency workers or assaulting them, or <laughs> like, like just like that's one thing you just shouldn't be doing. Don't care how many beers you've had, like you shouldn't be doing that. Particularly at a football game, you need to watch a game of football, Re- not not fight. Regular um, or nose beers. So yeah, I just I don't. I, I, I've never understood it. I don't. I've never understood the the violent side of football fans and football, and it's all a little bit weird to me. But I mustn't say too much. Last time I said that in public, I got. I got threatened by people that quite enjoy fighting at football. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's it. That's, that's all I'm going to say. But that's all I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, was that, that was your um, I hope we don't get Millwall thing, wasn't it? Yeah, and then, and then a lot of people went, <laughs> don't like violence at football? Well, next time I see you, I'm going to beat you up. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a strange dichotomy, that, isn't it? But um, yeah. yeah, not good. Not good stuff anyway. Um to sour things at the end Jonesy one thing that is worth mentioning and we'll cover it again uh, later on but I just want to mention it now uh, sort of early on in the show I just want to send all our love and thoughts out to West Ham's legendary photographer Stevie Bacon Uh, Steve's laid up in the Royal London Hospital at the moment where unfortunately he's had to have his remaining leg amputated due to a life-threatening infection. He, Steve tweeted earlier and said, in case you haven't heard, I'm in the Royal London, uh, where, as I said then, he's, I've had to have my remaining leg amputated due to a life-threatening infection. Naturally, I'm in great shock and trauma and uncertain about my immediate future, but will fight my hardest. Um, obviously, massive outpouring of, of love and support uh, from the West Ham fans to Steve on Twitter there. Uh, Real club legend, isn't he? A bit of a sort of unique situation having having a photographer who's such an icon 
uh, in your club. But um, yeah, just our thoughts certainly from the We Are West Ham podcast go out to Steve and his family and his friends. And um, yeah, from me and Jonesy, all of our wholehearted love and support behind Steve and uh, yeah if you if you can if you haven't already go and you know give him a message on on Twitter drop in the comments just wishing the best um he's a good bloke and uh, yeah we hope hope Steve gets on the mend uh, soon that was a, a pretty extended first uh, section there Josie loads we've covered including the intro as well unfortunately because we are on an international break this week um but stay with us because we'll have the Betway charity bets next Cupid works hard in February, but our friends at Manscaped are working harder than ever to ensure your Valentine's Day is one to remember. Don't turn this day of romance into Independence Day this year and get in control with their performance package 4.0, which includes the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This February, join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the code WEARWESTDOWN for 20% off and free shipping. Contrary to popular belief, love is not blind when you can't see past the love jungle. Will, have you got any special routines for Valentine's Day? You're a single man. I am, mate. Yeah, I mean, first of all, before I have to think about grooming, the hardest part is obviously getting a Valentine's date. Uh, but if so, we've used the Lawnmower 4.0 and uh, my new personal favourite as the uh, the years tick on, Jonesy, is the Weed Whacker for all those awkward little hairs up me nose as well as uh, as well as the ones downstairs which you can get rid of with the lawnmower 4.0 uh, both of those things come in the performance package 4.0 so if you want to join the four million men worldwide who trust manscaped you can get our exclusive offer so just go to manscaped.com and use the code we are west ham that's all one word we are west ham for 20 percent off plus free shipping So no winners this week on the Betway Charity Bets, as often happens when West Ham lose a game. Uh, Me and the lads are all optimistic West Ham supporters. I certainly went for a win for the game at Old Trafford. I think you and James, you and Reese, sorry, Jones, you were a little bit more pragmatic this week, were you not? I definitely was. Reese went pretty big. His, his was a 33 to one shot. But I've, um, I was just desperate to get a win under my belt. The five to one, but can you run through Lanzing, what we went for then? Manuel Lanzini to score assist. Uh, West Ham to have five or more shots on target. She only had one, and uh, <laughs> over two and a half goals. And obviously that wasn't the case. So yeah, that was my yeah. play it safe bet out the window. <laughs> that shots on target one was bad. Yeah. I said it to you on last week's show. That's baffling. Uh, Reese thirty-three to one this one, but penalty to be awarded. Suchek to score any time. He almost did. And West Ham's have over four and a half corners, which I think we actually did, or we may have only had four. Um, uh, hang on. I can tell you right now, mate. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he keeps persisting with, with Suchek, does Reese, doesn't he? Yeah, it's, it, even when he doesn't it's, play. It's, it's a bet that he likes. West Ham had three corners. so oh, okay. So, no. Didn't get that one in. So, zero of his legs came in. Uh, mm. And what did I go for again? Refresh you my went, memory. You went uh, West Ham to win, both teams oh. to score, and Bowen to score or assist, and that was 17 to 2. Uh, mm. And nine out of three there. So, yeah, nowhere near this week. 
Oh dear. Well, Jonesy, I'll come back for you to you in a second for an update on the overall figures, if you don't mind. But just a reminder to everyone at home that this season, just as we did last year, me, James and Reese Bayliss, who's absent from the podcast at the moment, but still involved behind the scenes, um, get a £50 charity stake from Betway each and every week to put on a three-legged Bet Your Way bet. Uh, with Betway and on each and every one of West Ham's Premier League games. And any winnings from any of those bets that come in uh, go to the three charities that me and the lads are playing for. I am playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. James Jones is playing for the DT38. Dylan Tompedis Foundation. Reese Bayliss is playing for Isla's Fight. So great causes there. We've raised a few quid already. 12,500 we raised last year because that includes... Uh, the amount that Betway agree to match and they agree to match every single penny that we earn over the course of the season, which is great. Um, and yeah, it's all going really well. And just a reminder as well, there's no bets this week, of course, because uh, West Ham haven't got a game. It's the international break. So we'll be back for West Ham's next Premier League game with the Betway bets then. Um, and Jonesy, I think I've filled enough time there for you to please tell me how much we've got uh, on the board this season. Well, I'm pretty sure we've got a little bit more to add to this, but I haven't got around to doing it yet. But um, I'm on big fat zero. Don't even want to talk about that. Uh, yeah. You're on 1,225 quid. Yeah. And Reese is on 525 here, but I'm pretty sure there's a little bit more to add to that from, from a yeah. couple of weeks ago when um, he only had a two-legger. Um, so all in, including uh, Betway matching it, it's three and a half thousand pounds. Cool. Um let's say probably another 500 quid on top, maybe a little bit less depending on what that extra is. I've got to work it out. So we're looking at a, probably about maybe four, four and a half grand so far. Excellent, mate. Excellent. So he's probably slightly behind target, but we've got plenty of time to get a big winner in for the rest of the season, which is absolutely great news. Um, stay with us because as I mentioned, uh, international break this week. So we thought we'd get a special guest on board. So I'm delighted to say that joining us in the next segment is Tom Clark, West Ham United correspondent for football.london. You may know him because of his lucky hat. Betway charity bets there. Fingers crossed we can uh, add to that already fairly healthy total three and a half grand, nearly four grand. Raised for charity for the season so far, Jonesy. But I'm delighted to say, moving on. Joining us again on the We Are West Ham podcast, and for the first time since we met in person very recently, is Football.London's West Ham correspondent, Tom Clark. Most of you may know him, as I've mentioned already, as the bloke who wears the lucky hat to West Ham games. He hasn't got his hat on tonight, but I'm hoping that doesn't mean his podcast appearance is going to go to part. But Tom, it's brilliant to have you back on the show, mate. Uh, I understand you've been to the under-23s this afternoon. Yeah, it was uh, with the with the winter break coming up uh, this weekend. It was nice to nice to get to a game and a chance to do something a little bit different to go and kind of have a look and see who who looks like they could be on the cusp of getting into the to the senior squad or getting a few minutes of the uh, the eleven that started. I think it was seven of them have played have made a senior debut now. Uh, Armstrong Oco Flex has been on the bench for I think six of the last eight games and then three others who who haven't made senior appearances, but. Just they're going so well. They're top of the Premier League too. Yeah, they lost this afternoon against Leicester, but they are, um, you know, they're, they're absolutely flying against, you know, the likes of Manchester City who have so much money in their academy, but West Ham are above them in the league. So, yeah, just going down and have a look, seeing what the under-23s are, are up to. And and there's there's some prospects there for sure. 
So, Jonesy, like most fans, absolutely loves uh, seeing a youth player come through and do well. I think it would be fair to say um, that in the past he has perhaps got a little bit too overexcited with the potential of some. Uh, come on, James. Come on. I don't know about that. Is there anyone then, Tom? Like we've seen Sonny Perkins. We know he's sort of coming on and developing quite well. You mentioned Oco Flex there, which uh, a couple of my mates were very excited about, purely based on that he would officially have the coolest name in the entire Premier League, was he to make it. Uh, but names aside, just on football inability, is there is there anyone in that that side, that group at the moment, who genuinely could go on and do what you know Declan Rice has done, Ben Johnson's done, and and make his way, make their way into the first team and become what you know a regular at West Ham? Well, first of all, I, I challenge you to pronounce Armstrong Okaflex's full name. I've, I've got it up in front of me, and it is it is something else. It's Armstrong Inya. I reckon it's. Uh, Ekizola Chuku Okoflex. It is it is something special. Um, but genuinely, I think he he's probably it's funny because he hasn't made a, his senior debut yet, but he was the one today and he, he didn't have a particularly good game, but there were just a couple of flashes. And I, I think he might be I, I think he might be ready. And I've actually got a piece from from this afternoon, which will be going up tomorrow morning. And I in it I'd say I, I think he would be a better option off the bench than Yarmolenko. So I, I genuinely think he might be, he, I mean, which which also isn't saying an awful lot about Yarmolenko. You'd be better off the bench, better. Tom, for God's sake. Drag yeah. you out of the press box, mate. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and Arcoflex would have played in Europe had, but because of homegrown eligibility rules, he wasn't included in the Europa League A squad. And so when it came to that dead rubber, he wouldn't have, he wasn't able to get any minutes because he's not a homegrown player. He's, um, obviously, he's played with Celtic and he's Irish as well. So he, mm. otherwise, he would have made his his debut. Um, I, I think he will be one to you know whether he's one to make the impact of Declan Rice. I think that's going way too far. I don't think there'll be another player like that from the West Ham Academy for you know, for a generation. He you know that's that's no slight on the others. That's just how good Deck is at the minute. But it's it Ocoflex. I do think will will do something special at some point. Um, Sonny Perkins, 17, um, scored a cracking goal today. He's, yeah, he's, he's only 17. And I, I think he'll start, well, unless the striker comes in in the next week or so, I think there's a high chance he starts the next match against Kidderminster with, with Antonio getting a breather after the international break. Um, and the other one is Harrison Ashby. I think he's a real prospect at right back. But the problem he's got is he's got Sue Fallon Johnson ahead of him. In, and so he, you know, he, he stepped up and he played against Spurs in the Carabao Cup when Sufal was um, suspended. Yeah, Sufal was suspended and Johnson was injured. And Ashby came in, did perfectly well. Was, he was brilliant. You know, yeah, he's good. Yeah, he, and and he was also very good in the uh, in the Europa League game with um, against against Dinamo. Zagreb, was wasn't it? Yeah, it's a Greb game. Yeah, yeah. And I I think he he is a real prospect. But the issue he's got is he's got two very good players ahead of him in the pecking order there. So how his minutes go. Will will kind of depend on that, I think, a little bit. But he's he's a good footballer. Um, so those those are my three from there. The the goalkeeper didn't have a great game today. Elise gave a absolute shocker of a back pass in the second minute to uh, to concede the goal. But then, as the captain, like he then stepped up and he was a good player. Whether he's whether he's ready for the first team or not, I I wouldn't have thought so. Not just yet. But I did think those three: Perkins, Ocoflex, and Ashby. Yeah, they all they they're all there or thereabouts. Nice. What's the what's the feeling 
um, around Connor Coventry at the club at the moment because he had a really strong pre-season, didn't he? I think he scored quite a few goals as well. And there, were, there was talk that that was probably why the club weren't going to sign a, a central midfielder because Moyes was probably going to promote him. And he went, goes on loan to Peterborough, doesn't work, and now he's on loan at MK Dons. Is there a feeling that maybe he's not going to make it at the club or is it that's why they're sending him out alone is because they, they believe that maybe next year he's going to be ready? I, I think he needs some regular games. He, I agree with you. He was very good in pre-season. He was one that I picked out in the pre-season matches as looked like looked like he was there or thereabouts with with mm. making it through. And then it, he um, they they kept they had the deal with Peterborough for ages, and it was all waiting on Crow coming in or or a midfielder coming in. And once it was Crow who came in, then it you know it was a domino effect. He went straight away, and they were really disappointed with the Peterborough loan. It just didn't work out. He didn't get the minutes and. He started the first game he signed. He started straight away, and they, you know, the loan was there for him to play, and Peterborough expected to use him, but it just didn't, you know, for one reason or another. I, I can't say I, I followed Peterborough's matches all too closely, but you know, it, it clearly didn't because there was um, that both sides. It was a mutually agreed uh, termination of the loan that, that was always in there. There was always uh, with all the loans they all had a January break clause on either side and West Ham decided to exercise it because they want him to play. They, they rate him. They do think he's got a future. And, but, you know, he's never played regular week in, week out football. You know, he, mm. he needs that. And so I think going to MK Dons who are doing well, they're at the, uh, they're in fourth or they were in fourth when he, when he left. I'm not sure how they got on on the weekend, but uh, they are in the playoff spots in league one. And the Peterborough manager is a former West Ham coach as well. So he knows his game inside out and, I think that probably works for everyone. The fact he's going to a coach who knows him, no, going to a coach who wanted him and and you know sees him as part of the first team. And I think it's big six months for him. I mean, you know, he's he's not, you know, he's 21. He's not old. He's you know by any stretch of the imagination. But he's at that point where 21, 22 year olds, you need to be getting regular games. I, it's it's a big six months. I really think it is. If he can get regular football, maybe the step up, you know, to a squad player for next season is on the cards. But yeah, even for him, you probably think if it doesn't happen in the next, you know, six months to, you know, eighteen months, probably needs to look look on for his own career. Mm. Uh, James, you'll forgive me, Tom. You might know who's the guy who went and played in Belgium. His name has completely escaped me. The youngster who was like in and around the squad <clears throat> for quite a while. I think I saw him. He was sitting right near to me at Genk. He went to Anderlecht. Oh, what, Josh Cullen? Uh, Josh Cullen, that was it. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Is it similar vibes to him, Tom? Because I think a lot of fans got quite excited about him for quite a long time. And then it just got to that stage where he was like, oh, hang on, he's already old enough where he should have made it by now. And he's not hes not like this youth academy player who's just about to break on the scene. He's like 24 and he should be good enough and he's not, so he's off. He's playing regularly for Anderlecht <laughs> under Vincent Company, I believe now. He's, he's, yeah, yeah. They rate him over there. Yeah, it, it's. Um, I, I think with a lot of younger players, like you, you know, you give them a couple of years, but then once it gets to the twenty-one, twenty-two age, you you do kind of think, well, they need to. It's it's now or never, really. Like mm. at, at the top, at the top level, but it's, it's a big decision for them as well. If they decide to, you know, whether it's Anderlecht, which is, you know, a, you know, a great team with great history, but it's not Premier League level, and you know, the the player has to decide at some point. Okay, am I going to take that step down and? You know, you, you can have a look and in a completely different scenario, but someone like Jesse Lingard, for him, is like, if I leave Man United, I'm never going to get back to that level of club ever again. And it, it's mm. kind of that break. And even, you know, it, it's a totally different scenario. But you could see that with 
with say a, a Josh Cullen or a, on a Connor Coventry, if he if he leaves West Ham now and he you know he does settle for a Championship side, it's very very hard to get back into into Premier League level. But not for a moment saying he can't do it because he's he's 21. He's you know he's got plenty of football, plenty of time ahead of him. But yeah, it, it is harder to take the step down and come back up than it is to try and force your way through. And it's why so many players, you know, whether it's um, Steve Sidwell or you know of, of that. Kind of Danny Drinkwater, a more recent one. When they get that chance of that big move, for us looking from the outside, do you think really Drinkwater, you ever going to get a regular game for Chelsea? But you have to make the move because you have to, you know, as as the professional, you want to you want to try and prove yourself and try and make it. But uh, Coventry, yeah, big six months. I really do think that. Yeah, fair enough. Well, look, Tom, you mentioned Jesse Lingard, Manchester United. There, uh, I don't know. I mean, we've we've covered it. Fairly extensively on the podcast already. You're obviously at the game uh, on Saturday. Just give us some some thoughts. What did you make of it? The the, the whole game. The obviously the the headline of the game was the decision at the end. Uh, what did it look like from from in the ground? It it looked like West Ham were quite happy with the point early, fairly fairly early on. Which I go in there. I think that would have been a perfectly acceptable point. Um, it. Yeah, attacking it was not great. It really didn't offer a, a huge amount. It was, um, you know, a couple of set pieces. There was the Suchak had a decent, decent chance from the Boeing corner, but other than that, it was. And, and I saw a lot of people criticising Antonio, and I, I didn't really get that because it was like, well, what's he meant to do? The ball's yeah, just being yeah, banged yeah. at him from eighty yards, and and he was so isolated. And I, you know, it, it wasn't his best game, but it wasn't of his fault really. He was just kind of. <laughs> Kind of, of the yeah, and there was there was no support, there was nobody around him. But you know, you look at what Man United brought off the bench: Martial, Cavani, Rashford. The three link up for a goal. Um, West Ham brought Ryan Fredericks off the bench. You know, th- there's the difference. And uh, it was yeah, it's such a disappointing way to lose, and it's such a you know, it, it's so gutting when it happens like that. And and I've you know, we speak to Moyes after every match, and never ever spoken to him and seen him so down. He was properly. He was just pissed off. He was really pissed off, but he was also down. He was, he was, you know, it clearly got. That to was him. actually was, what he said, wasn't it? Yeah, it was his Didn't first he answer. Say, I'm pissed off. Yeah, the the question was, um, it, it was quite an open ended one, what was it? It was uh, something along the lines of that, that. That must be a bit of a kick in the teeth. And he was just like, yeah, I'm really pissed off. And that and that was that was that for the answer. It was like. Yeah, fair enough. Like, you know, you got every right to be. It was a couple of sloppy decisions. You know, if Bowen had taken a better touch, if Fredericks' position had been slightly better, who got his header on it, if Creswell hadn't let Rashford run off him, you know, all of these little things in the what's in the ninety second minute, ninety-third minute, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah, it's gutting. But um it it just I mean and, and one of the questions after the game, and it was something that that Moyes is normally quite good at avoiding giving a direct answer to, but one of them was like, was about the substitutes. It's like about you know bring them being able to bring on these three attacking players, and you haven't got anything to do that. And he just did say that you know it was the not not verbatim, but it was the equivalent of like, I'm not stupid. I can see the same you know I can see the same issues as you. We are trying to sort it, but yeah, 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 man. A, a year on from Alain leaving and still not oh, a don't. striker in, it's yeah that. Fallacy it is it's a fallacy. Just yeah. just on that, we'll, we'll move on to that. I think because he said after the game, I watched his um, his post match interview on the the official website, and right at the end, and they didn't publish these quotes on in his interview when they sort of they published his 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 interview word for word. But he said, 
Uh, I'm going to work night and day, but I can't guarantee there'll be any new players in by the end of the window. And those those quotes weren't published on the website, but he said them. And do you think that was almost like an admission in, in that I'm not confident that we're going to do the business that we really wanted to do? They might not have been published on the club website. They were published on our website. Um, they, yeah, he no, they're does. published on mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he does say the... Um, he does always leave a caveat in when he's talking about transfers and he did the same in the summer and he did the same last January as well. And there, there is always that caveat of, I can't, you know, can't guarantee anything and not, you know, or um, not going to do things for the sake of, you know, of appeasing the fans. I'm only going to bring the right players in. I would be shocked if West Ham don't bring in a signing between now and the end of the window. Um, it's too good an opportunity, and I think Moyes. Based on what, Tom? Sorry to interrupt you. And you know, I've, I'm not expecting you to give us a, a transfer <laughs> exclusive when it's your job to do that for Football London. But is that just? Is that based on? You say you'll be shocked if we don't. Is that based on because it's so unfathomably ridiculous for a club <laughs> of West Ham size and where they are in the league? to not add to the squad that desperately needs additions? Or is it because you know that actually they are working hard and there's a couple of things in the pipeline? Please let it be the second one. It's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. It is just unfathomable that they wouldn't. But um, but yeah, that, that there are definitely definitely talks going ongoing with, you know, with, with other clubs, with agents, and West Ham are working on transfers. I, I agree with a lot of the fan sentiment that, well, what have you been doing since August? You know, like I... Well, like Haller left since you mentioned. Yeah, like I, I don't get why, um, why and not just West Ham, why other clubs don't have I, transfers ready to go. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I can't even remember who it was, but somebody announced a, an incoming transfer on like the 30th of, of December and that mm. player comes in on January the 1st. And it was evident, wasn't it? Not... They, they signed two really quickly, didn't they? Yeah. Like before it, January even started. Exactly. And it's, it's not football manager. I know there is there is more to it and there's, <laughs> you know, it, it's very, it's all well and good being like, well, you know, we should have this player and they should come in on January 1st and all of that. And I know there's the domino effect and I know there's, there, yeah, there's various things and especially with, with COVID as well, like that all does make a difference. But yeah, I I I will be shocked if West Ham don't bring somebody in, even if it is a loan signing. I you know that worked out fine last season. I'm yeah, yeah. I think there will be incomings, but but like I'm I'm gonna gonna go verbatim with David Moyes here. But there's no guarantees. Yeah, there's a, but there's no there's no shame in that, Jonesy, is there? Like. The loan people say, oh, it might only be a loan signing. Who cares? That worked spiffingly well with Jesse Lingard. The, the loans with options to buy, they're great as well. The same thing happened. Suchek, uh, I think, was on that basis. Can't remember. I'm not sure about Sufal. Um, But those deals are fine. Fans aren't really that asked. It's not like, oh, we're, we're not going to do any loan signings. Like, no one cares. Like, we obviously need some bodies. We're on the brink of doing something so good. And you mentioned there, Tom Moisey obviously knows about it. It's staring everyone in the face, not just West Ham fans, all football fans in the face, that West Ham have got a really good starting 11. They've probably got 13, I would Mm. say, maybe 14 really good, outstanding players. Mm. Like first uh, able to be picked in the starting 11 quality. But then there's just a huge gulf between them and the the rest of them. It's not like you've got a load of six out of tens who are okay to have on the bench. It's like, yeah, 13 or 14 brilliant first team quality players and then some other blokes who've played football before. It's like it's just not good enough, is it? Where we want to be, James. 
Well, no, but as we've said, ever since Haller left, it's kind of you're kind of waiting for him to go right. Okay, well, now's the like the summer. But we we made some good signings, but it was always like yeah, but there's still one or two deals still to be done in terms of the squad to be ready. Mm. Um, no idea why we brought Crow in. I bet like my my, cur- my curly head mate uh, just hasn't hasn't got on the pitch. Um, but then you, you look at that signing, you've got a player in there that's barely played. But then we've got two or three positions where we're crying out for for players that would play. Um, and you're right, like when you, when you I think it was against. Um, I can't remember what game it was, but you know, one team's bringing on like some class players, and then we're bringing on Yarmolenko and Masuaku mm. to try and. To, oh, no, that was it. It was, it was the Leeds game, wasn't it? You know, we're, we're trying to get back in the game and get a late equaliser, and we're bringing in Masuaku and Yarmolenko to try and save the day. And you're like, what do you expect? You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna do much with those sort of players. So, <laughs> like, I, I, like I said at the beginning of the show. It would be unacceptable if no business is done between now and next Monday. For me, yeah, like completely and utterly unacceptable for the football club yeah, not yeah. to do any business. To- totally agree, J- uh, Tom. A few questions there from what what Jonesy's come out. Uh, the Alex Crowell thing is just hilarious because Jonesy just absolutely hates it. He never gets a game <laughs> or never gets a minute. Uh, what's just briefly? Do you know anything? Is there more to that? Like, what's the score with that? Why is he not getting a bit more football? Uh, the I think a part of it was earlier in the season when he got COVID was right in the time when he would have got a few games. There was uh, there was some Europa League matches in the Carabao Cup games because he started the first Carabao Cup game at, um, at Manchester United. I thought he had a decent game then as well, actually. And it was, Brilliant. He was really um, good. Yep. And he was he was more than just a defensive midfielder. He was a real box-to-box player in that game. Mm. And and I I saw that one game. I'd seen him a couple of games in the Euros because there was a lot of talk. So it, And obviously... I was, you know, still working through the summer, so it was, you know, the the Czech matches were ones to to watch, you know, with the West Ham link as well, and and he and and he was better in that Old Trafford in the match against Manchester United than I'd seen him in in the Euros. He was actually dropped one of the Euros games, um, or rested, rotated, whatever, you know, whatever it was the manager decided, and then then he got COVID and he missed the games that he would have played. You know, he would have been in the Europa League, he would have played against um, Manchester City in the Carabao Cup, but he, he didn't just have, he's he's all jabbed up, but um, he wasn't, after he was, his recovery, after his isolation period, he wasn't fully fit again. He was not mm. like ready to come and play 90 minutes at, you know, top top level standards. So he, he was feeling a bit of that and that took a little while. And then he um, he was back for the uh, the Dinamo game. He was he was there and that was a little bit, one of those where, um, as, as Moyes said at the end of the game, because there was, there was him and uh, Noble were the senior players in that team. And Crow's young, but you know he's an established international player. And then they were having a lot of the, the kids around them. And, and Moyes said it was actually quite difficult for the senior players. They're having to, having to get... And I actually thought the youngsters did really, really well. But mm. one of his issues there was having to... Um, uh, you know, you're, you're relying a bit more on the senior players in that environment. But I, I think Crow was kind of... Uh, signing that was with with the option to buy it's kind of a free hit really if it doesn't work out then you you can send him back but i think it yeah really didn't help him uh covid and an injury because uh, he came back off international duty was uh i think i guess that was the october window that he came back with with covid and um and yeah that just really hampered his his time but yeah the, the fact that he hasn't played uh he didn't play in the last cup game thought thought he was nailed on start of that fa cup game give 
Rice and Sujic, or one of Rice and Suchek, a, a breather, but but Moyes went strong in the in the FA Cup. But again, he's another one you expect to play against Kidderminster. And but from then on, now on to the rest of the season, you you do wonder when he's going to get his opportunities because you know Rice and Suchek Big do games, seem to be the two players who can just play every match week in week out. And and Crowell will get the odd game in the cup if you know if well, assuming that West Ham progress and. It depends who they get in the next round, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's just that Moyes doesn't fancy him, or he just just doesn't think he's quite ready for it yet. Don't know. It'll be like interesting. He's been a bit unlucky as well. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting come the summer whether because he won't meet the criteria for the obligation to buy, so it will be the choice of an option. And they've they had I, I don't know the exact number of games, but had he played a certain number of games or started a certain number of games it was an obligation to buy it. He won't hit that. So it will become an option. And that will be the real uh, the real sign of, of what Moyes thinks of him is whether he actually takes that option up. Just on that as well, I mean, when Declan Rice was suspended for the, the Palace game, hmm. you thought no, he'd go in, but instead, yeah. um, was it Noble or was it... Lanzini Lanz- dropped Lanzini him. Went, oh, Lanzini sorry, dropped bro. him. The fact that Lanzini's getting in ahead of him suggests that Moyes probably doesn't fancy him. And Moyes does like Lanzini in that role. He actually said at the end of last season that um, he thinks he's lost a bit of his pace with uh, with the serious injury that he had. And uh, Lanzini has said he he still thinks you know number ten is his best position and it's where he's done really well. But it was the uh, the Chelsea game last season. He played the second half there and uh, he played ninety minutes against Burnley at Turf Moor the, the back end of last season. I think it was two 0 Brilliant there. Yeah, was brilliant. Yeah. And and Moyes said after those games that he thinks that's his that's his new position that he's found a role for him there. So I, I like you, I thought Crowell would start, um, start the palace game or is it the palace game? Or, or whatever it was around in December time. And there's just so many games, aren't there? Which, whichever one it was when, when Rice was, was suspended, I thought um, Crowell would come in for him as well, but he decided to, to drop Lanzini in and uh, did the same against Leeds. Lanzini played there. And when Suchek had, um, had COVID and then four hours came back in. And yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you there, James, that it, it does suggest that he doesn't quite fancy Crowell right? more than, you know, oh, this is Lanzini's best role. One more than some, uh, while we're on the sort of players in and out thing, Andre Armelenko, baffling. It's just baffling. I, he's obviously not good enough anymore. Again, we're sort of... Some people are really hard on him. Uh, I was chatting to Mark Webster. Uh, some of the listeners might know him from Talk Sport and does the weekend morning shows. Great bloke, big West Ham fan. Chatting to him about Yarmolenko the other day. And I was sort of being quite reasonably lenient on Yarmolenko, saying, yeah, he's, he's obviously not good enough. He doesn't cut it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that, that's, he is what he is. It's not his fault. Like the club have agreed to pay him that, get him out, like whatever. It's the, on the club to now move him on. And he was just furious, just like, well, yeah, if you're one of the club's top earners, it'd be nice to even just come on and jog around for a little bit and pull up your stupid long sleeves and and just like at least do some sprinting to make it look like you at least half earn your money. Um, Is there any chance of him moving on this month or is it a case of even though the business clearly doesn't make sense, the finances, because he's one of the highest earners, if not the, I'm not sure you might be able to uh, correct me on that. Um. If is it just that he's too expensive to move on, or does Moyes just think it doesn't make financial sense and I need the bodies? I, I think the both, both of what you just said. I think it's yeah, one, it's too expensive. Nobody's going to come in with a with a bid for him. They might come and 
take him for free, but they're not going to match his wages. So why would he then want to halve his wages to, to go off somewhere when he's got another six months left? And he does have a bit of experience. He is, you know, he's a regular in the Europa League. He's come off the bench in the Premier League. I was actually just looking it up. I think he's played about 80 minutes of Premier League action over the course of this season. He gets 10 minutes here or there, 20 minutes, I think is the longest he's played in the league. Um, but but he's, he's been all right in the Europa League. He's, you know, he's, he's started, I think it's four of the matches. And um, I say, all right, that, that's... He scored he scored against um uh, uh, Rapid <laughs> and then he won the penalty against Rapid, didn't he? Those that that's that was his two his two goal contributions for the season so far came in the in the one game. But but it's it's kind of his level really, I think now. He was playing against um you know teams in Europe that aren't aren't great, but they're not awful. Um you know, he'll he'll play against Kidderminster if he's still at the club, which I fully expect him to be until the summer, and then he'll he'll move off. He he is what he is. He's he's got a languid style. He's not a sprinter. He's you know, he, yeah. It, it's he shouldn't be West Ham's go-to sub trying to uh trying to get a goal in the Premier League. That's for sure. But I don't think there's too much harm. He's a he's a popular guy at the club. I don't think there's too much harm in having him round. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, the players like him. He's he is a popular popular fellow in the dressing room, and he's um, speaks a couple of languages. Um, and Holy shit, I'm watching, sorry, I've got Cameroon Comoros on in the background and Comoros have just scored an absolute worldie and <laughs> they've got 10 men and they've got an outfield, they've got a, their defender playing in goal because they've got no fit players. And they've just yeah, they've loads of COVID, haven't they? Yeah, they, and one and then one of their goalkeepers tested negative for this morning, but the, the, the African Federation still wouldn't let him play, but they've just scored an unbelievable free kick. Sorry, just... <laughs> <laughs> ridiculously good goal um, yeah uh, sorry in fact, Yarmolenko would never have scored that because it was with the guy's right foot it was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous hit. Um, yeah that's, that's interesting to hear he's popular though to be fair yeah, no, no, is, not, yeah. not that he wouldn't be but I just mean it's interesting to know that the players don't let a complete lack of football inability get in the way of whether they like someone at the training ground he yeah he absolutely isn't one who's kicking up a problem being on the bench he's, he's a squad player he's a popular man um but yeah, I agree with you. He's not. He's not good enough. He's he. And the fact that he is one of the first subs off the bench when you're chasing a goal kind of sums up the the lack of depth. Um, mm. Yeah. Does anyone know what Rob Newman's been up to? Because <laughs> I mean, it, it was great to have someone coming in and arrive as like head of recruitment. He'd come from City, um, so you felt like he'd, he'd, he'd arrived with a nice contacts book. Nice little black came in October. To, to yeah. came, came in October. He's had plenty of time. Um, and it, I know it's linked to the fact we've not done any business, but um, I'm assuming he has been busy and brought a lot of lot of names to the table. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know any more than that? Have you seen him about? I've seen him at games, um, but not. Uh, oh, that's the start. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> we, it's going. We do still have the um, the COVID protocols in, so it's uh, yeah. It's not not somebody I've ever spoken to or met or. Um, I didn't see him. I didn't see anybody at the under twenty three game today, but that was just due to it, it's the same COVID protocols. We kept separate from from the the West Ham officials, and uh, you, you know sometimes, quite often, Moyes is is there at the games. But at the minute, we're just we're so far away that you you just don't know who was there. And you could see in the seats there there were a load of you know of, of people who worked for West Ham at the match, but I don't I couldn't tell you who any of them were. I, I even tried the little Zoom on my phone. And it's not good enough. Um, couldn't see what he's actually doing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. 
I don't know. Like you say, he's coming in October. We're now at the end of January. I I think what you said is probably a very safe assumption that he's brought names to the table. And um, the final say on transfers are now with David Moyes at the club. So I I think if... And, and Moyes has said a couple of times that the club are, uh, are willing to back him for the right players. So whether that's him being a, a club man and not you know speaking out against his bosses, as you know, we've all got bosses and you wouldn't publicly... Mm-hmm say you know say too much about them or not but yeah what his actual role is um rob newman at the minute i i'm not entirely sure is that true tom uh, sorry not uh when you say the final say at the club lays with david moyes is that is that true or is that not not questioning your uh judgment at all is that what you've been told by the club is that what you believe it's what i've been told um by people close to to the owners um, mm. is, that, is that Moyes is that Sullivan has taken a step back um, from transfer dealings and it is Moyes and Newman who will be in charge of negotiations and getting things over the line. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, right, Tom, I've already kept you for longer than uh, I said I was going to and we really appreciate your time, especially as we're interrupting your viewing of Comoros against Cameroon, <laughs> scoring some absolute worldies apparently. Uh, what do you think then for the rest of the season? We obviously established that we need to make some signings, but it's been a little, one of those shows where it's a little bit like, nah, because of the, the results that have gone before. But ultimately, we're still on the cusp of something fantastic. The Europa League knockout games are the most exciting thing that's happened to West Ham for a long time. I personally, that's that's going to define the season, what happens with the rest of the Europa League. Um, what do you think, though? They're still in the FA Cup, obviously. Doing OK in the league. Top four probably officially dead after the weekend, we decided earlier on. Um, and then the Europa League, what's your thoughts sort of from now until until the rest of the season? The end of I, the season, even. I agree with you. Like, a Europa League run... And you know, getting you know already into the last sixteen, get through that, you're in a quarter final, and then you know it's, it's only seven matches to win the tournament. You know, six to get through to the final. It, it's a cup game. You know, you, it, it depends who you get, doesn't it? If uh, if if you end up with you know, Borussia Dortmund in the quarterfinals, then you're going to go in as second favourites. You know, they're, they're you know Dortmund are such a good team, but you know you could also you know. You could get Rangers. Dortmund could lose to Rangers. You get Rangers, then you fancy that. And then, you know, you get through and you're in the quarterfinals and who knows. Um, but yeah, the Europa League is where the excitement's at. Just like, you know, for you guys as, as fans and for me going over and covering, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant and love it. And I'm just desperate for West Ham to qualify for Europe again next season as well. And hmm. I said that the, my prediction at the start of the season was a top eight finish, quarterfinals of the Europa League. And I thought that would be, a, and, and hopefully, you know, a cup run. And, you know, the fact that you you know, put out Manchester United, Manchester City in the Carabao Cup. It, you know, that was a, it's such a difficult run to get to get those two and then follow it up with Spurs when Sunderland was still in the hat type of thing. You know, it was it's tough. So, you know, beat Kidderminster and then who knows? Like, it's one of those. If you then get City or Chelsea or something out, out of the hat, you... All right, bad example, actually, having put City out of the Carabao Cup. But, you know, you would always... No, you mean, you, yeah. you go into all of those games as second favourites. But the Europa League is just where it's at. And position in the league right now top six finish would still be phenomenal like it would still be a fantastic season even if you know, you've spent you know, a couple of months in the top four top six is still a brilliant brilliant achievement and the fact that you'd be you know doing that ahead of one of arsenal chelsea sorry not chelsea arsenal spurs manchester united most likely it, it would just make it another superb season and and moise's aim actually is rather he's looking at the points tally rather than 
the the position in the league. He just his aim is to beat the sixty six points of last season. I think. Well, I know going into the Manchester United game at the same point of last season, West Ham were one point short of where they were. So they're still pretty much level with this time 12 months ago. So yeah. beat 66 points, then then that's progress. And where that leaves you in the table, kind of, you know, that, that relies on other teams a bit. But yeah, top six finish and a quarterfinal spot in the Europa League, I'd still take that, still be absolutely loving that. Absolutely brilliant, Tom. Yeah, I think we're, uh, me and James are both of the same opinion. Uh, Tom Clark there from Football.London, the West Ham correspondent. Tom's absolutely brilliant. I'm sure most of you already follow him on Twitter anyway. He's at underscore Thomas J. Clark over there. Those of you, <coughs> excuse me, Tom, those of uh, our listeners who follow you already probably know you as uh, the journo who wears the lucky straw hat. Just for those of you who don't know or that haven't got the chance to uh, hear you explain it, what is that about? I, it was, I'm bald. I get a really sunburnt head. And in the summer during the <laughs> friendlies, West Ham are playing some great football, but we were in places like Dundee, which although it's you know up in Scotland, I, I found myself in an open terrace and, and came away with a really, really sunburnt head. So I put my hat on. And then, uh, and then West Ham won like the next seven matches in a row after I did that, and it just just became a running thing. And it, it it's bloody freezing at the minute, so I, I take it with me and put it on from time to time. But I keep getting shit that West Ham are losing because I'm not wearing it. So you try going to a game in Vienna when it's minus three wearing a straw hat. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really cold. But yeah, it's just it's just gone from there. And then it, it's yeah, I I'm a little bit of a geek, a stats geek, and I do keep a record of all the matches I go to and all the attendances, but yeah, started keeping a running track of whether I was wearing the hat or whether it was just in my bag and then seeing it correlate with the, with the results. So yeah, that's where that came from. Excellent, mate. Excellent. Well, uh, let keep the lucky hat on for the rest of the season. Tom, it's actually brilliant to have you on. Thanks for giving us your, your time, uh, loving your coverage this season on, on football.london uh, since you replaced Sam Incasol and yeah, it's been great stuff. We really appreciate you giving us your time and your insight on the We Are West Ham podcast. Tom Clark there, West Ham correspondent from football.london. Go and give him a follow because he's absolutely brilliant and stay with us because we'll have the West Ham women next. <laughs> So, James Jones, since we last spoke, West Ham women have had two football matches. The first, a 4-2 home defeat to Chelsea in the quarterfinal of the Conti Cup. Svitkova and Hussein scoring West Ham's goals, but Peniel Harder's hat-trick and Erin Cuthbert's strike was enough to sink West Ham. We will go out of that competition to Chelsea for the second season running. It's one of those, mate. As with any cup competition, you need a bit of fortune with the draw. We got Chelsea in the semis last year and that was the end of our run. Chelsea in the quarters this year and it's been the end of our run. Good to get to that stage in the first place, of course, but one that I think perhaps it's fair to say we saw coming. Yeah, saw it coming. I think we did a lot better than we did last last season. I think it was about 5-0 last year, if I remember correctly, but 4-2 this time around. Um, I'm looking at the stats, you know, Chelsea completely outplayed us. 22, mm. 22 shots to our six, 10 on target <laughs> to our four. Um, so, yeah, it's no, very little wonder they end up scoring more than we did. But, you know, four twos, not to be sniffed at against against Chelsea. This, you know, not many teams score two goals against them. So, yeah, not a bad performance, but 
yeah, half expected given the quality of Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, kept it 0-0 for 25 minutes. They score after 25, as I mentioned there. Uh, nine minutes later, we're back on level pegging. And then it was level till the 61st, sorry, the 58th minute. So there's mm. reasonable, like significant chunks of the game when we're free. Just had a little bit of a meltdown, really. Uh, Aaron Cuthbert's goal on 58 minutes makes it 2-1. Harder gets two more uh, in the next eight minutes. So... <laughs> It's like you, you sort of three goals conceded in eight minutes. Um, as I mentioned there, Hussein gets one back at the end. Um, I, like you say, mate, I don't. It's one of those, isn't it, where you kind of expected to lose the game. You don't want to go out in a shameful manner, and losing by two goals to a team as good as Chelsea is in no way shameful, is it? No, hundred percent. No, I think uh, taking a lot of a lot of confidence from that. Um, and you got someone like Harder up front, you know, it's mm. very difficult to keep her quiet. So, um, yeah, no shame in in, in losing to, in that fashion. And yeah, but eight minutes of Chelsea going on a bit of a mad one. I mean, what can you do? Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, and to be fair, bounce back in absolutely perfect fashion in what arguably was the more important game. If we'd have uh, yep. we've mentioned it last week, of course, we've got to pick one win out of the two of those. Uh, the Chelsea game or the WSL game at home to Everton on Sunday, you'd have definitely taken the league win. And what a convincing win it was too. Svitkova again getting on the score sheet. Dagny Brynjas, the Dottertiers, every time. I can't get that, but I don't think I'm alone in it. So forgive me, Dagny. Uh, she scored on the 57th minute after Svitkova opened the score and after 41. And then uh, Walker scores in the 86th minute to wrap up the points Claudia Walker and yeah perfect almost mate really I mean a 3-0 win is a proper nice score anyway isn't it uh puts some seventh or puts us West Ham seventh in the table Everton a tenth there's now a six point gap between West Ham and Everton having with both teams having played 11 games and it keeps us right in the mix at that top end of the table as well just two points behind Reading in sixth uh, just three points behind Man City in fifth, and City have played a game more. Four points behind Tottenham, who've played a game more as well. Um, and then obviously you've got Chelsea, Man U, Arsenal, the top three, who realistically are a little bit out of reach. But certainly, as far as that league goes, mate, really, really keeps us in the running for that fourth place spot. And the closer it gets at the end of the season, we're 11 games in now. Uh, that is the halfway stage. Uh, absolutely. Buzzing to to be in uh, sitting pretty really, yeah. I think I think it's what one one league defeat in seven or eight now. So the league form's really really good. I mean there are a few draws in there, right, admittedly, but we we keep saying that it's it's games against the, the teams below below us in the table, which are the ones we have really got to focus on winning, just to ensure that yeah. we're not sucked into anything we don't want really to get sucked into. And, you know, we're, I mean, we're well clear of Leicester and Birmingham with the two that are like going to be fighting for the, that fighting to stay up. Um, yeah, we're not even instead, in that conversation, are we? Which is we're not nice. in that conversation. Instead, you know, a couple of wins and, and suddenly we're in, we're in a conversation for the top four or top five, you know. So it's, it's exactly where you want to be. You, you want to be beating the team that should, like Everton are having a poor season. They were expected to be up there um, in the conversation at the other end of the table. You know, they're having a poor year and we've, we've you know, we've comfortably beaten them and made sure that any any conversations we're having last year aren't, aren't aren't being had. And instead, it's looking forward. And I think I think Ollie Harder needs to take a hell of a lot of credit for the way he's turned things around. 
Yeah. Um, well, you, you know, you're totally the, right there. Spot on. Go on, mate. The, the quality between, I would say, you know, uh, below Arsenal, uh, Man United and Chelsea, and then, well, from them three and then all the teams below, Man City maybe should be in that conversation as well. There is still quite a bit of a gap. So you you almost are playing for playing for the best of the rest um, in the in in that in the WSL and you know mm. we're in that conversation you know two two wins and suddenly you are best of the rest outside of that top three um, and they fully deserve to be to be there you know turn a few of those draws into wins and, and you're well up there so Harder deserves a hell of a lot of credit for for the way he's turned it around and um, when you consider where we were last year. And um, certainly seems to have really built that platform for, for for moving forward now and starting looking, you know, looking to be challenging a little bit more. Yeah, major respect to Ollie Harder for sure, mate. Um, one thing as well that would have made that win a little bit sweeter, Ken Zadali started for Everton, was part of that Matt Beard reign where, you know, some big names, everyone got excited, but re- weren't really pulling their weight, weren't gelling with the other big stars, big sort of money arrivals that we had. Um and yeah, Oli Harder just seems to have done a bit of a David Moyes really, and completely changed the the mindset, isn't he, uh, among the team? Which is brilliant to see. Courtney Brosnan on the bench for Everton as well, former West Ham player. Um, yeah, so all in all, mate, that is an absolutely brilliant result, and it just keeps the the season interesting because I think a result, a defeat there, and you all of, you're sort of out of that conversation, similar to what we're saying about what's happened with the men's team. Um, as far as the Premier League goes and the top four in particular, that defeat at Old Trafford after the two disappointing results before is sort of uh, that's like we're out of the conversation now. And getting that win over Everton means we're we're still involved and keeps the season that bit more exhilarating, a bit more exciting. Right towards the end, slight drawback. Uh, next league game, 26th of January this Wednesday, uh, away to Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, we've got Chelsea next, which is a bit of a drawback. And I think you know, we've got a game in hand on City and Tottenham. And I think that game in hand is also against Chelsea. We've got them twice <laughs> in the league coming up quite quickly. Um, yeah, but I think we've also got Leicester coming up, I think. Um, which yeah, know, we're looking so, to Villa and Leicester yeah, coming up. So. Yeah, that's it, mate. Yeah, Sheffield United away in the Cup and then away to Villa and away to Leicester in the league before that return leg against Chelsea, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, I, I, I think positive stuff feelings mate really like you said right the, the the league cup it was good to have a run in it last season getting to the semis was an achievement and it was one of those where you're sort of like it almost was nice to have a bit of it was like used to get that winning feeling back almost which would severely lacking at the time wasn't it so it's nice to have that run this season you're like well the league form's going pretty well to be quite honest um and going out of it's not the end of the world because the the league form is exciting and you're looking that that you can still achieve on that front can't you rather than last season where it was like oh yeah well it'd be good to go and do something in the in the Conti Cup because otherwise the league form's looking pretty grim at the moment and it's it's hardly like we're looking forward to WSL games was it it was grim it was grim last year but yeah, the league the league forms where it's at this year, and that's where the most important thing is. Um, I'm just looking, looking at it now. Only only Arsenal have lost fewer games than we have. Uh, they've lost one. We've only lost two. United mm. and Chelsea both lost two as well. 
So, like I said before, you turn those turn those draws into wins, and suddenly you're up there. So, stark contrast to last season. Um, the mentality is completely different, and that's kind of what you're looking for, isn't it? You're looking for a little bit like what you said. It's almost like he's done a David Moyes. The whole mentality of the club's completely different now, and you might lose to Chelsea in the cup. But that doesn't matter because you, you go again in the league and you know you've got got you've got enough in the league to be able to be able to win any game of football. We've already beaten City this season. Yeah. Um last year we were absolutely annihilated by Arsenal. This year it was only two nil. Yeah. So lots more improvements. Even in the defeats, there are improvements. So loads of positives. Loads of them. Yeah, totally agree, mate. One thing probably worth remembering is that the last four games of the season are Manchester City at home, Reading away. Man United away, Arsenal at home. So, obviously, Man, Man City, sorry, not having a good of a season <clears throat> as they certainly did last year. Like you say, West Ham beating them already. Um, winnable game for sure. And it might even be that if the league table stays in similar fashion to how it does at the moment, that we're going to be in a very similar position and we'll be fighting for like final league position. And that, that's shaping up to be a huge game, obviously a challenging one. The home advantage helps. Reading away. Definitely winnable, and then it's it's not out of the it's not completely unreasonable to suggest that the last two games of the season are unlikely to yield any points. Do you think? I don't think so. I think this year the the league's a lot more competitive than it was last year. Teams are a lot closer to each other. Um, it's not as spread out as it was. Um, so yeah, okay, they look, on paper they look like difficult games, but as you said, we've already beaten City this year. Um, Reading's a winnable game. Um, you know, there's beating Man United isn't totally out of the question. You know, they've lost twice, they've lost as many games as we have so far this season. So, mm. yeah, on paper, it looks difficult, but you back this team to, to, to you know, to, to get points because they've already shown that they can do it this year. They've been so much better. So, yeah. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely exciting stuff. Good luck on um, Wednesday, girls. <clears throat> Fingers crossed we can uh, pull something out of the out of the bag there or out of the hat. Um, not doing going down the gritted teeth pathway again, Jonesy. But that's look, that's nearly it, Jonesy, for the week. That pretty much is it. We've done all the sections. Absolutely brilliant having Tom from Football London on. Uh, we did the uh, the Manchester United reaction to death. I think I think we filled. A pretty entertaining podcast this week, considering it's an international break and West Ham have lost in heartbreaking fashion away to Manchester United. But uh, well, there is still time for a little bit more content from me and James Jones. It comes next by way of some final thoughts. Well, James, that is it for another week. I really enjoyed it tonight. Actually, I was in quite a good mood beforehand. Um, I dipped a little bit when we started talking about the Man United game. Uh, those harrowing thoughts came back to me. Absolutely brilliant to have Tom Clark from Football.London. And what a great bloke. Kept him for longer than we said we were going to. Uh, but really great listening to him on the under-23s, the young players, what he thinks of the transfers. Good of him to be honest with us as well. He's close to a lot of people connected to the club. Uh, so brilliant to have his his insight. Wonderful to hear from you as ever, mate. Although I can tell you're really still not over the Man United game yet, but I'll forgive you for that one. I'm glad we held back a little bit um, on the the aggressive transfer chat. Although when Tom was on, we did get a little bit carried away there, didn't we, with words such as unacceptable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I heard that come out of your mouth. 
very briefly, but just a final reminder, or not a final reminder, I'll probably remind you again, but if you so wish, you can join the We Are West Ham Listener Fantasy Premier League League. The code is OR1WUC. That's the letter OR. 1WUC if you want to join in and play against me Jonesy and uh, some other of you listeners on Fantasy Premier League you can follow us at on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham or on Instagram where we are West Ham pod Facebook just search we are West Ham podcast do the same on YouTube where you can get video clips of all our interviews. The one with Tom will be up later on. Uh, the other sections as well. No opposition view this week, of course, because we haven't got a game until that FA Cup game against Kidderminster. Um, but go and have a look at, back at some of the old videos that we've got on there. Jonesy does a sterling job of the channel, so subscribe to that. Subscribe to the podcast as well. Give us five stars, write us a review, and more importantly, tell your friends. And you can buy us a beer if you so wish. And support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestdown for as little as £5 each time if you like what we do. Josie, good show that. I enjoyed it. International break, not a lot to look back on, but I think we filled the time extremely well. Obviously, the listeners will be the judge of that rather than me, but uh, I've enjoyed it. How are you feeling about United, mate? I don't mind giving you another week or so to get over it, but you, you seem a bit down in the dump still, buddy. I'm in a better oh, mood than I was. Two, two hours ago, I'm in a far better mood now. Uh, sometimes you just got to let it all out. And I've yep. been home alone since, what, Thursday. So I've not been able to actually speak to anyone and really vent. <laughs> so just, normally I'd vent at Harrison or something and they'd just look at yeah, me blankly yeah. like, what on earth are you talking about? What Dad? are you talking so, about? Yeah, I've yeah. not even had that. So um, it's nice to vent at you instead, mate. Happy to uh, happy to fill in. Um, so all in all, mate, <coughs> excuse me, final thoughts. Um, for the show, West Ham, looking backward, looking forward, what, what, how are you feeling uh, uh, this Monday evening? Nearly nine o'clock, goodness. Um, well, I mean, obviously we haven't got another game for the rest of the month. Uh, February's massive for us, I think. Uh, after Kidderminster in the Cup, you know, we've got Newcastle, Wolves, Leicester and Watford, I think, in February in terms of league games. Massive games, yeah. I, I think I said last week, before the United game, you know, anything less than 10 out of those 12 points won't be good enough. Um, yep. And I still think even more so now. And if we can do 12 out of 12, obviously even better. But, you know, we should be targeting at least 10 out of 12 of those. Win, win, the, win the home games and if we can go to Leicester and get a result, which I don't think is out of the question given their season so far. But it's a big month, really big month ahead. And if we can put a cut run in the FA Cup um, together, then even better. But, yeah, but getting closer to that Europa League draw as well, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, yeah. Would you know the date of that? I did look it up the other day. I can't remember I, the I exact don't off date. the top of my head, but it's it's getting close. I think the games the games have been played in February, so it'll be towards the end of February, early March, I would have thought. Yeah, uh, let me. I'm going to look that up now, mate, because we're supposed to be a professional outfit here. You can't leave uh, the We Are West Ham fans uh, hanging on that one, because yeah. So the the next round of games, or the the, the first sort of of those fixtures, are on the 17th of Feb, uh, and then you've got the round of 16 draw. Here we go. I'll be with you in mere seconds. The 2021-22 UEFA Europa League round of 16 draw takes place on the 25th of February. What an exciting oh. day that's going to be, mate. Eh? Woof, oh, as you say. Can't, Woof. can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, literally just a month and a day from today, that is, Jonesy. So uh, 
happy days on that front. Look, West Ham are still fifth in the Premier League. The games in hand that the teams have got around us are what they are. It doesn't matter. We've still got some points on the board. 37 points after 23 games played is a brilliant position to be in. All in all, it's another good season. We've got the Europa League to look forward to. We're still in the FA Cup. Hopefully, we'll be able to get past Kidderminster. And then you start getting to the business end of that competition as well. All in all, I think there's still reason to be cheerful. And death, taxes and losing via a dodgy official's decision against Manchester United. These are the things that are certain in our lives. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. West Ham are still massive, regardless of what people might try and tell you. Up the hammers, and we'll see you next week. This week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, there are two fantastic West Ham prizes up for grabs. The first is a Sir Trevor Brooking signed and framed West Ham United shirt. Tickets are just £2.95 each. 99 will be sold and the competition ends on Friday the 28th of January at 7.30pm. And there's also a bonus match day competition where you can win two hospitality tickets to West Ham's game against Watford at the London Stadium on Tuesday the 8th of February 7.45pm kickoff. Those tickets cost £9.95 each and just 39 of those will be sold. The competition ends on Tuesday the 25th of January at 7.30pm. That's Tuesday the 25th so you have to act quickly on that one. And as I mentioned there's been some fantastic signed pieces from Tony Cotty, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Sufar for grabs since their launch as well as several pairs of hospitality match tickets. So head on over to footballprizes.co uk to check them out hi this is tony cotty and you're listening to the we are west end podcast sports social podcast network